0: we had to print out what we had so far. So I got to print out my novel and hold it in my hands and that was powerful and then we did like paper editing on paper and that was that was one of my favorite parts. But just like the feeling that I had, I went with my partner to FedEx to go pick up my copy and I remember running out like holding it in my hands and I was just freaking out and screaming like I have a novel, like I wrote this.
1: Welcome to School for Writers, where we help you ditch that starving, tortured artist cliche and thrive. No more struggling over whether your story is good enough or wondering if your voice deserves to be heard. It's time to step into the power of telling your story to the world. I'm your host, Lauren Marie Fleming, and I am a book obsessed, queer, fat, witchy, divinely loud woman. And I know what it's like to have society tell you to sit down and shut up but I'm here to tell you that you've been silenced for far too long. School for Writers was created to help you push through doubt and fear so you can stop procrastinating and start writing because the world needs your story now more than ever. Welcome to School for Writers. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the School for Writers podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Marie Fleming, and this is an episode that has been a year in the making. And I say it's been a year in the making because the people that we're about to talk to a year ago were sitting in your shoes. They were listening to me talk about writing books, and I said, hey, I have this program, it's called Write Your Friggin' Book Already. Wanna join it? Is this the year to write your book? And they signed up and they did it, and now they're all authors. Today, we're going to delve in with them about where they were when they decided to write a book. Like what made them want to write a book. They're going to talk about the fears that they had over writing a book. They're going to talk about the things that helped them get to that finish line of having a readable draft, of getting their book to beta readers, of making their book better and getting their book out in the world. And they're going to also talk about the life-changing parts of working on a book with other people, how a group can just really like heal your soul and yourself. We're also going to talk about what's next. So if you write a book, then what do you do? and what's next for all of them. And I am, I'm just beyond excited to be able to share their insight with you, share their wisdom with you. These are amazing people. We get so many amazing people in write your frigging book already. If you haven't yet listened to our episode with Paige Boschek two episodes ago, a hundred percent, go listen to that as well. We get such amazing, people in this community and it's really beautiful and i'm so excited to get to have an interactive call with three of the program participants for you to hear how they did it you don't hear just for me you get to hear from them what works for them and how they supported themselves and each other to write their friggin' book already so join us for this amazing amazing call i'm super excited on to the interview with jess Ellionette, kate Reddy, and mars Pacelli. Hi, everybody, welcome to a live recording on Facebook for the School for Writers podcast. I'm super, super excited today because we have three of my favorite people on the podcast today. Super excited. I love that you're all doing dancing. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast later, you are welcome to come onto my Facebook and watch it, or we'll also have this on YouTube. And if you're watching right now, live, welcome, welcome, welcome. Please ask your questions down in the comments below and we will answer them because this is a Q and a, and I'm mostly going to be asking questions of our lovely, I'm going to call you all panelists today, our lovely panelists today about their books, but we're uh, also happy to take your questions. So if you have any questions on the Facebook group please, or the Facebook Live, please ask us and we will answer them, even if you're watching this later as well.
2: So hello, hello, hello.
1: Today we have, oh my god, I'm so excited, guys. we have three newly minted authors. Authors of readable drafts that have worked through their stories and created beautiful, beautiful, beautiful books that are readable, that we've all workshopped together, and that I get to now be a part of your book's lives. This is like my favorite part of the program. Um, So I'm going to go around and just ask you to introduce yourselves. And before I do, I just want to say that you're all participants in my 2020 Write Your Friggin' Book Already program, which is just coming to the end. We're all very sad about that. But I wanted to just check in with you and see what does it take to write a book? Like, What did it take for you to spend the last year of your life during a pandemic writing a book. But first, let's find out who you are. So, Mars, do you want to start who are you? Where are you currently in the world and what are you writing?
0: Yes. So, my name is Mars, my pronouns are they them theirs. I am in San Diego, California, and I am writing Erotica. It is queer, trans, kinky, polyamorous Erotica novel.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amazing.
0: It's very steamy.
1: Very, very steamy, y'all. Very steamy. Mars' book is the kind of book you got to read alone on a hot summer (laughs) night kind of thing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Love it.
2: Kate, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm also in San Diego, California. My name's Kate. My book is, it's fiction. It's kind of fantasy, kind of sci-fi, kind of Western inspired. It's a lot of different things and it's still taking shape. So we'll see. I love
1: it. It has a beautiful, beautiful shape to it. You're just adding to that shape and trying to decide exactly what that shape looks like. The little details, but it still has this really beautiful. I love when you were like, it's a Dust Bowl Western sci-fi. I was
2: like, yes, that's amazing. (laughs) So
1: excited for that. So excited for that. Jess, you want to go next? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Jess.
3: Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm from Miami, Florida, currently moving to Washington, D.C., so that'll change soon. Um, And I'm writing uh, fantasy fiction. We're not sure if
1: YA or adult yet. We're still finding that, but definitely fantasy. Fantasy fiction. I love it. and I think that it's really... We often, in I often, especially here on the podcast, interview people who have finished their books and they're out in the world and they have a whole marketing team that's told them exactly what to say about their books. This is this genre and this thing and this thing. I love that we're meeting. Some of you that are in the process of like still figuring out, okay, is it going to be YA? Is it going to be for adults? Is it going to be for young adults? Is it going to be sci-fi? Is it going to be fantasy? Like where is it going to sit on the bookshelves? Because when we ask those questions, that's really what we're asking is where, when I walk into the store, am I going to see this book other than obviously the bestsellers list right up front with like Oprah and other than that, where else in the bookstore is it going to be? So I would love to know, I'm going to take you all back to where were you when you were like, oh, hey, I I think I'm going to write a book this year. Hey, it's a pandemic. That's a great time to write a book. Tell me where you were when you decided to take a year out of your life to write a book. And I'm going to go the other way around. So let's start with Jess. Yeah, I was a
3: couple of weeks away from finishing my degree in the middle of a pandemic. So class of 2020, not the most fortunate so for me a lot of it was okay I'm getting my degree I'm not even getting a commencement everything in life obviously was unstable um and I see this email and there was very much so of like a what the hell moment of like you know what I've had this idea in my head for 10 years of this book idea and I've never been able to get it out on my own like I'd had many attempts of sitting down and trying but I never had a chance and it was a perfect impasse because, of course, a job market during a pandemic isn't great. So I had no job offers, no prospects, no nothing. And I was like, you know what? The program started. It was slated to start on the day of what would have been my commencement. And I just saw that as the ultimate sign of like, you know what? This is going to be my next step. So I applied, closed my eyes, crossed my fingers. And I'm so glad I made that, that leap. And so, yeah, that's where I was before WIFO.
1: Like I realized that we started on the day of your commencement. I mean, I knew it yeah. was around the same time, but like, should have like played the graduation waltz or something,
3: you know? <laughs> May 15th, 2020, what would have been my commencement walk. Yep, absolutely.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. That makes me so excited. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like it. You like go graduate from one thing and start another. <laughs> absolutely. The very oh, same day. That's amazing. I love that. Kate, where were you when you decided, hey, I think during a pandemic, it's a good idea. to write a book.
2: It was like a long time ago and also no time at all. Let's see. I, I was just, I was working, you know, and had a nine to five and I just have always wanted to write a book. And I was telling you, Lauren, I really want to write a book by the time I'm 30. And I was 26 at the time. And Lauren, like a true queen slash friend said, oh no, you can do better than that. You're going to write a book in a year. And I was just like, wow, like, yes, that's the kick in the ass that I need. And I, I just was really attracted to learning about the process because I, I really had no idea how to start, how to go about writing a book. So I think that is what really like clenched it for me. It's just like being shown the way, <laughs> like what are the steps? What is the process? What's the journey? What's the system? Mm-hmm. Um, and just the accountability of you know, the community and people who are going to hold me to my word to actually write every day. So
1: like, even before we went live right now, I was like, how are you guys doing? What are you doing? Did you write today? What's going on? How's it going? Hey, <laughs> yeah, I love that.
2: Yeah. Um, and then I, I was actually laid off because of the, the pandemic. So I found myself on unemployment with a ton of free time and it kind of felt fortuitous and like affirmation, you know?
1: Yeah. Mars. Where were you when you decided to take this giant leap of faith?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was the middle of the pandemic. I was struggling. I'm a super extrovert, so I was not, not feeling it and stuck at home a lot and just kind of wondering what I wanted to do. And I used to write a lot, but I, I had been going through a phase where I wasn't really writing much. And so I remember I'd posted on my Facebook, like, who wants to start a writing group with me? I was just hoping to start a writing group so I could get some motivation to start writing more. And then I also remembered making a post like who wants to be my writing dominatrix because I really wanted someone I knew I needed someone to like kick my ass and get me to write and I'm someone who's very motivated by like external motivation and people around me so I knew that I needed someone to help push me and guide me and Lauren saw my post <laughs> and I can't remember which one of us reached out first but I feel like when we talked about it we both kind of had a feeling that we should reach out to each other that night it was like destiny so I, I then was looking at Lauren's page and I saw she had posted something about a, a writing group and then about write your friggin book already so I reached out to her to talk about it And I was like, kind of on the fence. I was like, I don't know. And she said, just do it. Just go for it. Just apply. And then we can figure it out. We can talk about it and see if it's the right fit for you. And so I did. And I remember thinking like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? But I was going through a breakup. I was struggling. And I, like Jess said, you know, I'd been wanting to write a novel for a long time. I remember ever since like middle school saying, I'm going to write a book someday. I'm going to write a book someday. And I was like, okay, I'm 30 years old. Maybe this is the year. Maybe I should just do it. And so then I did it and I never looked back and I'm so, so glad I did. It was definitely like the best decision I made last year.
1: Yay. I'm so, so glad that all three of you pushed through that and joined and did all that. That makes me just so happy. I love everybody in this group and it, I always, I have these moments where I'm like, what, what if your books didn't, weren't out there? Like, I love all of your books so much. I'm like, what if they hadn't applied? What if they hadn't seen the thing? And when I'm feeling nervous about telling people about Wifeba, about coming on here and doing lives like this, I mean, I have to promote this program a lot. And whenever I get nervous, I actually have this poster of all of you up there. And then I have all of your books. Mock book covers that I made for your books, up right out of screen. You can't see it right now, but it um, actually, to be fair, the poster of all your faces is actually on the floor right now because it keeps falling down because I need to redo the tape. <laughs> but I love it so much because it reminds me, like, what I do is I help you all get your stories out, and I love your stories so much that it makes me so happy hearing how you got to this program and like now knowing that the program got you to where you are. So I want to know. I want to know what fears you had. I want to know where you were mentally when you decided that you wanted to write a book. I know that I have personally talked with all three of you about the stories that the world has told you about whether your book is good enough to be written, whether you are good enough to write a book and your your personal struggles. And if you're comfortable, I'd love for you to talk about what it took, like what fears you had about deciding to join a program to write a book, not just like right now in pandemic, but in general, like what were you afraid of that kept you from potentially wanting to sign up for this program or any program before this? Like, why hadn't you written a book? So what were some of the fears that you felt? Let's go with Kate first this time. We're we're democracy, we're letting everybody go.
2: I groaned loudly, I was on mute. (laughs) I mean, just so many, I could alphabetize them really. I think a big one for me was like, I have nothing to say. Whatever I write mm. won't be original. That was a fear. I, I won't be good enough. You know, I was very nervous about like receiving feedback from the other writers. And I guess I just, I didn't think that my idea was a full novel for kind of a long time. i just the length kind of intimidated me and I was much more comfortable with like writing short stories. I didn't really think I had like a full novel in me and just fleshing out a full plot was really scary. So yeah, I think I don't have enough to say was something I struggled with and holding me back and starting anything, committing to a program. There was some like financial scarcity, but I still struggle with fears. but it's gotten a lot better. And now I can kind of see through them, honestly. And how wrong I was about a lot of them. <laughs> like, opposite, you know, because of the other mirrors of people in this program, they really show me, like, that's not at all the truth. It's all in my head. Mm-hmm. So.
1: I'm gonna call you out for a second, Kate, and not to drag you under the bus, but Kate was one of those people who, when we sent our books out to beta readers, was like, my book is not done. My book is incomplete. I think I need to completely change it or this way or do that way. And when we all read it, we were like, don't change a thing. This book is amazing. Add more. Don't take anything out. This, how you have it is great. It is so good. It is such a compelling story. It's such an interesting plot. There are sections that are so intriguing that still haunt me, like haunt me sometimes. The trees. I'm just saying the trees, folks. When you can read Kate's book finally and you know about the trees, they are haunting. Um, And I think that I have noticed in myself and I have noticed as a writing coach that oftentimes the things we're most insecure about, the chapter we absolutely are sure needs to get out of the book, the character we know is bad, the concept we know is horrible, is oftentimes the thing that people who beta read your book love the most. And I I wonder what's in that. Like what is in it that the thing that is actually our biggest nugget of gold we think is scrap metal? And the psychology around that. So I think I'm so glad you brought that up, Kate, that there's still fear, because I think that that's what's great about being in a program. That's what's great about having beta readers. That's what's great about having people who know your book. Because when you're like, I think I should take the trees out. And I'm like, if you take the trees out, I will kill you. (laughs) And not, you know, I won't actually murder you. But But having people to help you when you're feeling like something's not working to reflect on you. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's actually really great. You should leave it in. Or you know what? You're right. Let's take it out. Let's leave it for another book. Let's do it for another time. Like having that reflection to me as a writer makes a huge difference. And I know also helps with those fears as well.
2: Yeah. Because I could just keep starting over. That was something that was part of my journey in the program was I just wanted to keep starting over and to have people be like, no, like this is working and to, Hold you moving forward, I think, because so much of that is fear-based I see now. So it was really helpful.
1: Yeah. I think that that's such a great point. Like so many people come to me and they've rewritten the same book 20 times and they can't get it past that not even first draft, but like half first draft, or they write a draft and they change it and they change it. And I think one of the powers of just like choosing, a, you're never gonna get to the top of mountain if you try to take a different path every day. Like just choose a path, go get to the top of mountain. If you wanna go back and try the other path, cool, that's your next book. Like try another book, stick to the path of this book. And then once we're like halfway up, we can decide, okay, cool. Can I, like, do I go this way or that way? Like there's ways to go, but if you keep changing the path, you're never gonna get to the top of that mountain, to the top of that goal. Mars, you wanna share some of the fears that you had or have, continue to have. I think Kate brought up a really good point that these fears don't go away. You just learn to navigate them or have support in navigating them.
0: I had a lot of, I had a lot of fears. Um, I think my biggest one was I knew I wanted to write erotica and that can be scary, you know what I mean? Mostly because I was nervous to tell my family For sure. And I've told them now. So that is over and done with. But that was my biggest, yeah, that was a huge celebration. It was not easy, but I did it. That was my biggest fear because I want my actual name to be on the book. I don't want to hide. I like to be very out and proud. Um and but it's scary, you know, to go public with erotica and to think about like how that might affect your professional life or your family or other things like that. But ultimately, I'm so glad I didn't let that hold me back. And I had a lot of conversations with Lauren and um thank you you were so reassuring and she was just like no you can't do this like your story needs to be heard people need to read this like you need to just do it don't let fear hold you back and I'm so glad that I listened to her and I'm so glad that I did it so I kind of just said you know screw it I'm gonna do this uh I talked to my family about it a couple of months ago and that felt really good to get it off my chest and you know it was a difficult conversation but they were supportive and um so yeah, that was probably my biggest fear. My other one was just like feeling like I wanted. There are not a lot of books out there that um, that are about queer and trans kinky polyamorous people. There just aren't. <laughs> it's just not really a thing, and it's not really in the mainstream. And I was really worried about like doing it justice. And you know, I'm a queer trans kinky polyamorous person, but I can't speak for all queer trans kinky polyamorous people, right? So I wanted to make sure that I was you know, doing it right. And then Lauren also helped me realize, like, I can only speak my truth and do my best to share some different experiences. And, and it's, you know, it's fiction. That's the other thing I had to tell myself, like, this is fiction, it's made up. And, and I can have a disclaimer at the beginning saying this is fiction, this is not real life, this doesn't represent the stories of all queer and trans people, or this isn't all types of polyamory, you know, so I did my best to put in different kinds of people and different kinds of relationship and different kinds of dynamics but I can't cover it all you know it doesn't have to be an encyclopedia it doesn't have to be everything and Lauren also convinced me that it should be a, a three-part series at least so at, that's I was
1: gonna say out. at least at yeah, least yeah.
0: three parts at least so I mean this book that I have that I'm in like the fourth draft of this is going to be one of at least three and that makes me feel better too to know like I have so much I want to say, and I don't have to say it all in the first book. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, I'm sure people will read it and they'll have feedback, some of it positive, some of it negative, and I'll, you know, take what I want to take and hear what they say. And, but all I can do is, you know, put my truth out there, put my voice out there and it feels really good. So I'm glad that I didn't let fear hold me back. And I have Lauren to thank for that. And you know, obviously. And yourself. (laughs) And yourself. And And this whole group. And this group. This group has been incredible. um, And supportive. And just like so much solidarity and love. And we push each other. And we celebrate each other. And you know, all the people in my life, like my sister and my partner and my friends. It's been really a great journey. But it's scary. You know, it's just a scary thing to publish a book and put it out in the world. If anybody says they're not scared, they're lying. Because there's always going to be some scary element, but all the best things I've ever done in my life were the scariest. So I'm just going to do it. (laughs) I love that.
1: All the best things I've ever done in my life were the scariest. If that isn't some nugget of truth right there, I don't know what is. (laughs) I love that you brought out the idea of Coming out. um, I think that so many people. So when you apply for write your frigging book already, you get on the phone with me. uh, If your application, like if you apply and then the application seems like you'd be a good fit, we get on the phone together and we chat. And I would say, "Mm," I'm going to just go on a limb and say 95% of the people I talk to are extremely worried about what the people in their life are going to think about their story. Even if their story has nothing to do with their life. Even if their story is like, I want to write a book about renovating a home. I want to write a fantasy novel set in a completely different place. that's nothing like mine. They're so afraid that the truths in that are going to be so apparently them. And so obviously them, that there's somebody in their world who would attack them for that truth or who would hate them for that truth or who would disown them for that truth or who would judge them for that truth or who would be disappointed in them for not telling a good enough truth or including them. Like there's so much we have around what other people, especially the people close to us, but also like trolls on the internet will think about our books that people often won't even write them. They're afraid of being, called out they're afraid of being canceled they're afraid of losing their family they're afraid of being disowned That these things are real and one of the things that i told mars that i will continue and i've told a lot of people in our program because a lot of people are writing about identities that they're not completely out about whether it's queerness or not anything within them that's harder to talk about it's like those more hard tender spots in their lives that's what makes for her a good book And so if we can just hold space and this group is so great with holding space for that tenderness, then we can take it from a wound to a scar. So by the time you're ready to publish it, you are okay with that being touched with people coming back at you, with people asking questions. You have this year long time to come out to your family and tell them, Hey, in like uh, six months, the uh, neurotic book is gonna come out with my name on it. So be prepared now or hey, in like six months, maybe a year, if I go traditional publishing route, I'm gonna have a book about a gay character, BTW, I'm gay. I, and it's not even just that we're like, hey, in I'm gonna write a book and it's going to be out in the world in six months. Everybody be ready, myself included. So it gives you, we practice telling people about your book, not only because that helps you Heal anything that you might need to heal in the idea of like owning the term writer or author or what is in your book, but also it's a really great way to build a build a uh, following. Like everybody knows that Mars is writing erotica now. Everybody's going to be super excited to hear and finally buy Mars's erotica. Everybody wants to know about the trees in Kate's book, and the more we talk about these trees, the more y'all are going to buy the book the minute it comes out to find out about the trees. So I think that it's really great to have the time while you're writing it to talk about it in safe ways so you've practiced marketing and talking about it by the time it comes out so then people can read it jess you want to tell us what some of your fears were yeah i think my primary three fears is i think firstly that i was too
3: young i'm 22 i think i'm i'm pretty fairly certain i'm the baby of the group i'm the youngest of Come Wife on. by 2020. Yes, <laughs> clearly. Um, and so in a lot of ways, there was a sort of imposter syndrome of like, no, I'm too young. A lot of the authors I know of, they, you know, published later on in their lives, at least the ones that I know of. And though of course, there are younger prodigies. You see them as that, like, oh, no, well, they were prodigies. Like, they're the exception. I couldn't possibly be the exception. So there was a big part of that. I almost didn't apply for that reason. I'm like, oh, everyone else is going to be so much older than me. And they're going to be like, who is this child? <laughs> Thankfully, that did not happen um secondly I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to keep up um I remember being like oh in one year that's not possible like mm-hmm. I've had this idea in my head for 10 years you know how could I possibly you know do in one year what I couldn't do in 10 and then of course I ended up surprising myself when we did the first draft sprint and we were able to write our first drafts in a month I mean that was insane to me and it was something that if you had told me even just a week before the program started I would have said you're insane and laughed my head off like there's no way I'm writing 40,000 words in a month I ended up doing it in 27 days. I was like so happy. (laughs) And I think like the third primary fear was sort of what I think we all came in with, and I think we all grapple with still in some ways, is like, oh, I'm not good enough to be a writer or much less to be an author. Like, I think a lot of us were even afraid to call ourselves um, writers, much less authors in the beginning of the program. It's something we've all like definitely encouraged each other to do. Like, oh, no, we're authors, we're writers, we're doing this. In the beginning, we were very much so like, oh, I'm someone who's writing a book. Now I'm a writer who's writing this book, or I'm an author, a future author, whatever. Um, and so that was definitely a thing of like not feeling like I was good enough and on a sentimental level you know my protagonist Lorelei is someone who's been in my head for a good 10 years and was definitely like through my protagonist's eyes I would daydream about through her eyes like imagining that I was her to sort of escape my life when I had some really tough moments growing up and so there was the sentimentality of like I wanted to tell her story so desperately but there was this fear around okay like once I actually sit down and do it that's it like this is her story there's a way that you can kind of run away from it like if you haven't written it down yet you can, there's still a million different possibilities a million different ways that I could have told Lorelei's story once as you said you have to take that path and go for it of course I have other books as a chance to expand upon it but I still have to choose A way to begin to tell her story. And that was also pretty intimidating. When you get really attached to your characters, of like, okay, you have to make these decisions, you have to decide. That was also pretty intimidating. Because as much as I wanted to tell her story, the idea of having to like settle down and actually do it and no longer live in the hypothetical, you know, being able to daydream a million different ways to tell it was also pretty scary.
1: I love that you said I have to actually do it and not live (laughs) in the hypothetical. I think mm-hmm. so many people have been like, oh, I want to write a book someday. I could write a book someday. I could write a book. I want to write a book. I could write a book. I could get that when people ask me what I do. I'm like, I'm a writer and a writing coach. Like, oh, I have a book in me. I'm like, cool, write your book. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, like I'm working on it still. Or there, Or there's so many things that keep people in the hypothetical versus <laughs> just like, The difference between a published writer and a published author and someone who wants to write a book is literally just sitting down and doing the steps. Anyone can write a book. You just have to sit your butt down and continue to write it and then continue to make it slowly but surely better and better and better and better until you feel like it's, you're comfortable getting out in the world so I love that you brought up that Lorelei is no longer just a hypothetical it's mm-hmm. she's somebody who's out in the world like I feel like I know Lorelei now this character that's been in your mind for a decade I feel like I know her after reading your book and so I can see how that would be both thrilling that other people now know this character and also scared shitless yes <laughs> yeah you could see that What's just been like in the program for you? What has the program felt like for you? So you decided you overcame your fear and you decided to write a book and you signed up for this crazy wild woman, Lauren's program. And she decided to be your writing dominatrix. We were actually, I'm going to side <laughs> note. I love that you said that Mars, I meant to say that because right before we went live, we were all talking about how the group calls me la, la chancla or what is it in Cuban Spanish? Just la chancleta. La chancleta because I'll like come after you with my chunk being like, it's time to go write. So I love that uh, that you brought up the writing dominatrix because I do, I feel like, okay, I'm here for like the aftercare. I'm here to support you. I'm here to negotiate with you. And I'm also here to whip you into shape and get you to do what I want you to do, which is write your freaking book already. So it's a little bit of tough love sometimes. Mars, you look like you were about to say something.
0: <laughs> I was just gonna agree. Yeah, you're always here to like, kick our butts into gear and be like get writing like i'll write to you whenever i'll text you whenever i'm like i need someone to push me and she she'll send me a video like sit down and write your friggin' book
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it it's it's half the fun is getting to yell at you all you know yeah I, I pretend to be nice on the internet but really i'm a mean mean writing instructor who comes over and hits you with her chunkla. the worst I'm, right it's the worst i am the worst So, Kate, I'm going to ask you to start first. What has it been like for you to actually sit in the, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to call it from my point of view, absolutely magical and horrible process of making yourself sit down and take your ideas and put it to paper.
2: Oof um it's just been such a roller coaster like every month has honestly been really different i didn't expect i guess to love the first draft process so much like that really surprised me how much momentum and energy and fulfillment it gave me and just to like have the whatsapp group like cheering each other on And there was a super strong sense of like FOMO of like, you don't want to be the one who's not turning in the first draft. Like, I feel like a sense of FOMO has really like carried me through in a good way in this context of like, it made me not want to be the only one who's not turning in a draft for beta reading. You know, I didn't want to miss out on that. So I feel like it's just been really supportive and we would like hop on calls and you kind of knew what people were working on and you were getting kind of excited to read other people's books so we kind of got to be like no like just sit down and write because I really want to hear your story like I I really want to read it and like same with Mars we're like Mars is writing a book that just does not exist anywhere and this needs to happen so it was it was like just a great year and I'm really sad. It's like already coming to an end. I can't believe it. We we're kind of having like grief moments earlier before we got on the live, but I think I also just really surprised myself. And I feel like Jess kind of touched on this earlier, just with like, oh, I can't write 40,000 words in a month. And it's like, you can actually, and you can do it quicker than you think, like even less than that. So I feel I don't want to be like cheesy, but I, I really do feel like reborn from the last year in like a lot of ways like pandemic is its own thing and then writing a book and just really feeling like I found my purpose in what I'm doing um, and to have this community like going forward when I feel like a few people are working on series and you kind of have this group to like return to to keep you, you know, in this writing space and to really mirror your own, your own author identity. But beta reading that day has been my favorite day of 2021 so far. So I just want to say that I'm like still riding a high. Best day of 2021.
1: Boom. Do you want to explain a little bit about that day and why it made it so, so great for you? So what do you mean but, by beta reading day? I mean, yeah. I know, but for, for the millions of people, fans watching you.
2: I mean, it's only like the the Olympics of what we were all kind of working toward, I feel like the whole year. So there was a lot of like buildup of, it's the first time that anyone else is going to read your book and give you feedback on it. And you, Lauren, put us all into these groups of three and four. And it was, you kind of like specially selected people, some of who were your ideal reader, some of who, you know, weren't. And we all read each other's books over like a month, month and a half and you know gave each other you know feedback we were all like waiting in silence of like what are people thinking of my book right now and we finally met on like a Sunday and just everyone got to be in the sparkle seat as we called it and not the hot seat seat. (laughs) sparkle seat we got to tell each other our dreams for the book and I just had like tears in my eyes receiving the feedback because I really I panic phone called Lauren like the night before just being like it's a mess like they're gonna hate it like I really didn't think my beta reading would go as well as it did so just the comments and yeah like everything I wanted to scrap going into it was like everything people loved so it just gave me a lot more confidence in myself and I feel like the feedback I got I'm gonna like carry into all of my work it was a magical day
1: it was a magical day i loved i love our workshopping it's my favorite part of the book process and i was really glad that it still worked really well over the internet and we were able to do it and that actually worked better because we have people all around the world in the program so a lot of the people who wouldn't have been able to come in person were able to join the workshopping so uh it was it was a magical magical day magical weekend actually mars you want to talk about what it's been like for you in the program
0: yes definitely um I feel like when I describe it to people, it feels pretty similar to if I were taking a very intense like graduate course online, maybe, or maybe depending on the week, maybe one course and other weeks, maybe two, depending on like how much homework I might get. I agree that the first draft was my favorite part of the whole process. That was just like magical and powerful. I felt it felt unbelievable to just be writing so much, like almost every night, some nights for a few hours just sitting there and and we were told that that draft was like our crappy draft like we were just writing crap we weren't worrying about like any editing or thinking about it we were just letting it all out and at first it was hard and then it just kind of started flowing and I remember Lauren telling us that our characters would just start talking to us and telling us what would happen and I couldn't imagine that at first because prior to this I'd only ever written like poetry short stories essays things like that mostly just for school or journaling So I'd never written, I hadn't written much fiction at all in my life before. This was really the first time I wrote fiction and I didn't expect it to flow like it did, but my characters just came out of thin air. Like they weren't what I was expecting. And I feel really strongly about, The fact that like i do want to write a memoir someday but this isn't my memoir and that was another fear that i forgot to add i'm afraid that people will read this and they'll think that this is like my life and it's my story which it's not like of course there's always some truth to fiction like there's some inspiration that comes from my life but like all of these characters are fictional they literally came out of thin air they just started talking to me and telling me what would happen with them um sometimes unexpectedly and like the flow just came And so every, you know, like Kate said, every week has been different or every month has been different. But what I love the most is like the structure of the program. I have ADHD and I need structure to like keep me focused and keep me on track. And Lauren is like the organization goddess. Like she is so on top of everything and everything is like perfectly planned out, structured. But I also love that there's room for flexibility. So every kind of draft or every kind of section, she would always have a little wiggle room of a week or two. So if you were behind, you could catch up. Or if you finished on time, you would have a week or two to relax in between. And that's the other thing. There's always been built in time to relax and just take a break. And she'll say, you're not allowed to look at your book in between, which has been crucial. And I thought it would be hard at first, but those breaks have been oof, very, very necessary. And um very helpful because when you take time away from your book you find other inspiration or you come up with new ideas and then you get to look at it with a set of fresh eyes and honestly I've been working a full-time job this whole time and I also have like a life I mean it's COVID so my life is like kind of sad right now let's be honest but like you know I have a partner like Sometimes I'll do social distance hangs with friends. Like I'll hang out with my roommates. It's, it's not as if this is consuming your whole life. And I think that was another one of my fears. Like there is definitely time to manage this with a full-time job, with a social life, all of it. You know, it hasn't hurt that it's a pandemic and I'm home a lot anyways, but even if it weren't a pandemic, I could have made this work. And I think that's another beautiful part of the program that I've really loved. Like it hasn't taken over my entire life. And it's been very predictable. I've been able to know, okay, some months have been busier than others. You know, I definitely have to like structure that time in and be organized, but it makes me more on top of everything, which is great. And it's just been really powerful. Like I didn't think I was, I agree with Jess. I didn't think I was capable of writing 40,000 words in a month. Like we wrote our first draft in one month. So just a few months into the program, we could already say, I have written a book. I could say I wrote a novel already. It's messy, yeah. And parts of it are crappy and don't make sense, but like it is all there and it's ready to be like edited and added to. So at this point I have 60,000 words, which feels just unbelievable. Yay. Yeah, one of my favorite parts was uh, a few months in, I wanna say it was maybe back in November. Uh, I can't remember, but we had to print out what we had so far. So I got to print out my novel and hold it in my hands. And that was powerful. And then we did like paper editing on paper. And that was that was one of my favorite parts. But just like the feeling that I had, I went with my partner to FedEx to go pick up my copy. And I remember running out, like holding it in my hands. And I was just freaking out and screaming, like, I have a novel. Like, I wrote this. And it just felt amazing because this year has not been... <laughs> This has been one of the hardest years of my life, you know, it has not been great. It has not been everything that I dreamed it would be except for this program, honestly, you know, because no matter what, all the heartbreak and pain and like grief and just like hardship that we've gone through in this past year, like we wrote friggin books and that feels amazing.
1: those who are listening to this podcast later and not watching it live on either youtube or facebook i am i cannot stop grinning because they part like hearing all of this is great, but also that part where you finally get to print your book out and hold it. I just did that this week, two weekends ago. And it's like literally right here out of the screen for me. And I just keep looking at it. And there's something amazing about the physicality of a book, like taking this idea, like Jess was talking about earlier, this thing that's floated in your head for so long and actually putting it out there is both thrilling and scary. But when you actually print it out, that, that moment is, is unlike anything else I've ever experienced in my life honestly it's probably okay I'm not gonna be that person that's like it's like having a baby because I get it like I've held babies I it's but it is like having like it's something it's seeing this it's a I think it's even more than it's seeing something that you worked really hard to create come to life is a feeling that is similar to giving birth or feeling that I'm sure like somebody who sees their movie on the screen for the first time or their artwork up on the wall for the first time there's nothing like that taking this thing in your head and making it happen you know Jess, did we talk about the program I i got so excited about my metaphors that
2: we did not okay
1: however i totally understand getting locked and in, lost in the
3: act of creation because that's really what it is what we're yeah, talking about Right it's like there you go. this thing in Front of me would not exist without my presence like without me putting this work into it and so the perfect segue because i mean that's definitely one of the best parts about this experience is that act of creation and particularly when we all started out being like i don't think i'm going to be able to do this to like have that moment where you can print out and like no one in my life of course, to been allowed to read it <laughs> yet but like I was able to show it to my mom like do not open the cover <laughs> um or at least she actually she opened the cover but without her reading glasses so I know she couldn't see anything um but it was like but there was a thing that I could hand to her and be like physically like you can touch it there are pages and it was just incredible I think in general I think the biggest thing from this experience has been like it's built my confidence as a writer so much I think before Wi-Fi very much so would say oh, I'm an aspiring writer. I'm an aspiring author. I really always put in that aspiring because there was this sense of like, I, w- I was trying to avoid that rejection of someone being like, oh, really? Well, what have you written? Like, apart from the fact that yeah, now I have written something, even before we had finished our first draft, you we were definitely pushing us to stop doing those little things of like, oh, I'm a person who's writing this as opposed to saying I'm a writer because we were very much so scared of that label. Um, and apart from the sort of like label into saying that but like just built up my confidence and in, in uh, my abilities to write and like my ability to tell a story and not you know that my voice matters and that the story that I'm telling matters I mean that's something you definitely highlight to all of us when we're all just like kind of getting like stuck in the details and like not remembering like, okay why is it well actually To highlight one of the most powerful moments from the beginning, apart from like the process of writing the first draft, was before we even wrote a word. You know, you asked us to tap into our why, to know your why. Okay, why are you doing this? Beyond why you signed up for this program, why? are you writing this book? Why this story? And like, you know, it was several things to like really dig deep of like the superficial like, reason of why you might say you're writing a book is never the true reason. When you start digging deeper is when you truly find your why. And that was incredibly powerful because we all have reasons to do things, particularly something as personal as like putting words to a page. And like, as Mark said, it might not be your personal story, but it definitely will always contain truth in them. Um, it was very important for us to do that. So that was also an incredible part of. the experience and lastly I just want to say on a personal level this program has been really meaningful for me because I think it's the first thing I've done um, that was truly for myself you know since I'm young like and only very recently a student it feels like I graduated yesterday even though of course it was a virtual commencement very very not what you, you had pictured in mind when you start college but sometimes I still very much so like feel like I was a student just yesterday all my life up to this point has very much so been all about academics like you do a program in order to get a better uh, chance to get into college or to you know for that extra credit or whatever or working of course throughout college so I had never done something just for me just for the sake of passion just for the sake of loving it you know I'd always done something to fulfill a credit to of course you know make the money that I needed to you know buy the groceries and so this program was also the first thing I did just for me it is definitely a financial investment that I did not, you know, do so lightly, because it's definitely, you know, was, you know, difficult to make that decision to make sure I could commit to this program. But it's the best decision I've ever made, because I really needed that for me, you know, to do something just for me. And it's always been. Something that I can look forward to on the tough weeks of like, oh, okay, but we have a group call coming up. We're going to talk about starting the second draft. Like that was always so exciting to know that I had that to look forward to, especially like as someone who likes having clear expectations, it also gave me purpose. So when I didn't have a job, it was something that like, you know, I could look forward to and I, you know, and give me purpose. But even when I had a job, it was something that like outside of my responsibilities, something that I could look forward to that like, while yes,
1: it was a lot of work it was so fulfilling at the same time. Oh, I love everything about that. I'm going to start crying. Oh, you all, you all get me. Oh, you get to my heart and full. And I just think that, that writing can give you purpose. Book writing can give you purpose. And we get so caught in our head over if it's going to be good or if it's going to be publishable or what we're going to do, how we're going to sell it or who's going to read it or what they're going to say that we forget that storytelling is in our DNA. It is literally epigenetically in our soul. It is how before we even had the written word, we could tell people how to like our stories. We have stories from thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, both in our brain and in our culture and in our bodies. Like my dog, the way that my dog has instincts, our instinct is storytelling. And if we can tap into that, and we can let go of all of that fear and pain and worry and just tell the next truest thing we can tell or make our words just a little bit more polished to get the point across just a little bit more or just get it the hell out of your head into the paper. Maybe it's just, sometimes it's just simply that it's, it, we tap into this really deep part of ourselves that is a healing and almost instinctual and almost brings us back to nature and connects us with centuries of people in a beautiful way and gives us purpose. It helps us feel like we're part of something bigger. And we're part of not just this group, because this group has become more than just you all individually. You all it's it's so much more than me. The you all, this group becomes way more than just me. It's this massive, beautiful organism that works on its own as well as me like driving it, but We're also tapped into something beyond us. We're tapped into community. We're tapped into storytelling through thousands of generations. So that idea that it gives you purpose and it gives you something to live for and it gives you something to believe in and it gives you something to do with your life, especially right now. Like I say, the world needs your story now more than ever. And I mean it because we are going through such tumultuous times that you can see from the three of them, people who are listening or watching, how a story can heal, like you can hear the healing in all of them and the power of stepping into your story and telling your story. So that takes me to a question for you, Kate, and that's what's next. So we know, you know, you're going to go write a lot about these trees that I keep talking about that I love so much, Uh, but what's next for you, Kate? So when the program is over and you have this draft of a book ready to go, um, what do you want to do with it, or with the next book, or what's what's next? And it's okay if you say I don't know. Just let me finish this book first, and then we'll go on to what's <laughs> yeah, next.
2: Yeah, yeah. I still have some writing to do, honestly. Um, I still, you know, need to finish um, this one. But my ultimate dream is definitely to get it out in the world. I would love to go the traditional publishing route if that's available. But if not, I just, I want to share it and get it out. I'm also kind of toying with it being a series. So that's a possibility, but I'm trying not to put the cart on before the horse and just get this one written (laughs) because I still have like half to go, as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And I want to say that like there's space for Kate to be redoing the book. Like I want to give you credit, Kate, that you have... You are what you feel behind, but you're not. You took a time, you wrote it one way. You're like, actually, it's not a romance. It's sci-fi. I'm going to completely revamp it with the same concept. Yeah. And and what that was is that was you trying, like just playing with the genre of romance. And they're like, mm, nope, that genre does not feel right. I'm going to go over here and work in this medium instead of sci-fi. And I think that it's, it's okay. Like that's okay. I, I know that the program promises that you're going to get you from idea to publishable draft but what the real goal is to like something you're proud of and you can work on from there so I'm just going to keep reiterating to you that your book is exactly where it needs to be because you you did the process now you have even more you can tell reading your book that you have this solid idea of what it is versus before you were still trying to figure it out and sometimes we have to write two drafts of something and then be like oh shoot I got to change this to something else. It's not that after all, it's this. And that's okay.
2: Yep. Definitely started off as a romance. (laughs) And then it really felt like running the faucet kind of like I hadn't written really before on a daily basis. So I felt like I was like running the faucet and getting all of the, you know, just getting that book out, honestly, that idea. And then it, it switched gears and I knew I was on the right track because even though what I turned in for beta reading wasn't 40,000 words. Like I I would rather share what I had unfinished than share like that finished idea. Mm -hmm.
1: So yeah, you have a really great skeleton too. I think that we think so much that a book has to like be a full chunk of meat, like a full steak, but really a strong skeleton, a strong plot is everything. And so I love the skeleton that you're now adding meat to. It's probably a really gruesome story I line a way to describe it but I'm here for it you guys I'm here for it sorry to any vegans out there
2: <laughs> well and that's what I also love is just like you also educated me a lot on craft and different aspects of craft with character building and plot so I think that was also a really helpful takeaway for me that I can now you know move forward with other books having that education under my belt
1: yeah I mean, my, my ultimate goal it's easy to say go from idea to publishable draft but the idea is I'm going to help you build the solid skeleton, the solid plot, the solid story, have a really good idea of what your book's essence is, what your book is going to be. And then we're all going to come together and we're going to write that and we're going to get it together. And then once you hit the fourth draft and after you beta read, people kind of go off on their own ways of what their book needs. Some people need to do character development. Other people are doing nonfiction. So they really need to work on like the takeaway for the reader. Other people need to do scene or world development. Other people need to like go in and put their periods in the place because they didn't type them in when they were going. Everybody kind of needs something different after that, but we're all still in it together, right? Like we're all still Together in this process of making your book better. But you mentioned craft. One thing I do want to say is we don't start with craft. We start with crap. Like Mars was saying, I put poop emojis on everything because you can't get to craft before you have crap. You can't compost until you have the crap. Like you really, I always say you have to put the crap out there, compost it, and that's then you can grow something solid out of it. But you can't start with craft. And so many people try to start with good. And you can't start with good. You have to start with crap. Some people try to start with the truth and you have to lie first before you can get to the truth. You have to tell this like half truth before you can get to the, to the deep truth. So it's so important to really start with your crap and then learn to how to add craft on top of it.
2: Hey Amen. I want that on a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> right, we're gonna have so many, so much swag y'all. So much swag, we need to get more swag. Jess, what's next for you? What are you feeling is next on the horizon for you?
3: writing the sequel (laughs) yes I cannot Um, wait for the sequel I was just like waiting for that I was like I need, you know Laura's gonna love my answer write the sequel of course so definitely that's what's next I'm pretty sure I'm leaning towards doing that with Wife for 2021 so if anyone's listening um I may be you know joining you I love Kate got really excited so I'll probably end up being in the group but even if I'm not I think you know one of the to, to also add a little takeaway one of the things is if I do come back it's because I want to not because I feel that I need to like the experience has been such a growing experience for me that like I know that like if for whatever reason I couldn't make it work, if it was like a scheduling thing or what have you, and I didn't join 2021, I know that I could write the sequel on my own. Like I, I learned the framework of like how to go about this. You know, I can like rework my worksheets from, from last time doing it and do it again. But also having that knowledge of like, okay, you did this once, we're going to do it again. And I think a big part of that is that crap conversation we were having where I definitely, the 10 years that I tried to write this book, was very much a trying for it to be good. I was that person that was rewriting the first chapter over and over and over again. And it's just, you know, like, it's, it's just a funny thing because of course, if you keep editing the same, like, let's say, I think it was like 20 pages or so, you're never gonna get to the end of the book because you're just editing the first 20 pages over and over and over again. But when you're just so stuck into trying to make what's there good, you just never finish it. So obviously, when I tackle the sequel, not if I tackle, but when I tackle the sequel, I'm definitely looking forward to writing that crap because it, of course, will be very intimidating at first because this is the next part of the story that I haven't spent 10 years thinking about. I spent 10 years thinking about this beginning piece and like the introduction of the story and how it would start and like this sort of stuff. But the things that I've introduced in the world that I've created in this book has definitely and in all the ways been new to me. Like, in so many things the characters spoke to me, like Mars is mentioning of like, oh, I didn't think you were going to do this, but thanks for letting me know now after <laughs> writing 80% of the book and I'm just going to have to go back and rewrite th- chapter four through seven. But, you know, that's cool too. And so it'll be very interesting to like navigate the sequel and be like, okay, let's see what they what they tell me next. So I'm very much so looking forward to, uh, to writing book two.
1: I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I, I'm so excited about what happens in book two. And I've been. Yeah, like, there's a telling character you, like, in my book that <laughs> there's a character in my book that Lauren is convinced is evil. <laughs> she's evil. And I know you think she's good, but I think she's evil. And I wanna find out if she tells you if she's evil or good or not. Cause you don't you're like, I think she's good. I'm like, she's evil. So we're gonna see if she tells you if she's good or evil or not.
2: And I think that's that's an example of right
1: there is a perfect example of this book, like of this group is we're like, you're like, she's good. And we're all like, no, she's evil. And then you're like, oh God, is she evil? Do I have to think of like, we play with each other's characters. So Mm -hmm. not only do you get to play in your world, like I, I started Wifeba because when my brother died, it was very clear to me that like, as he was literally, as he was dying, I had this out of body experience. And you all have heard this before where I... I felt like the world faded away and I felt like I was floating in the cosmos and I felt like everything that mattered was this bright shining light and everything that didn't matter became black, like that black in between the lights, uh, in between the cosmos. And the things that were shining were books and it got this really intense hit that the thing I needed to do was fill bookshelves and for many years i thought i had to be the one to fill it and i tried to write fast and i couldn't write any faster than a book a year and i wasn't filling bookshelves and then one day it dawned on me as i was as i was teaching other people to write their books that like oh hey lauren you can fill bookshelves with stories that you don't get to write. Like, I don't, I don't have the story of Laura Leigh in me, but I get to be like, Hey, I think this person that she's dating is evil. Let's play (laughs) with her. I get to play with your story and Kate and Mars is story. And we all get to play with each other's stories. Like Mars knows what I'm talking about. Mars is like, yep, I know. I also think they're evil or I don't (laughs) think they're evil. And we can, um, one of the people in the program said that one of those profound moments of his time in this program was seeing us all debate one of his characters like he debates Game of Thrones characters <laughs> we are all sitting here being like oh no this character that and that and, that, and they should do this Oh, what about this I think this is gonna happen I think that. and it's 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 so cool to like get to interact with people's other imaginary friends like because we really all just have imaginary friends and I get to interact with your imaginary friends and that's kind of cool like I love it and I know it's I think I'm assuming it's fun for you is it fun for you to have me tell you that your character oh of course (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm
3: notoriously bad at like, you know, letting myself cry. And it was definitely one of the moments that I got teary-eyed at the workshopping day for our group was hearing you guys discuss. And particularly Amabel, because she's such an interesting character, which is who we we're talking about, the person, whether or not she's evil. She's um, evil. <laughs> yeah, it's just for context, that's the character we're talking about. Her name is Amabel. And, you know, I, one, didn't think she would necessarily stick out as much. And it was so cool to see that she stuck out more. Um, but even just in any of the characters mentioned, to see the group discussing them, you know, in any way, what like, got me teary eyed, because as we said, you know, getting out of that hypothetical, you know, and, and going into like, a physical book that I could give to to the beta group. was like, oh my god, they know who I'm talking about. Like, no longer do I have to be in the like we have a a WhatsApp group text and I'd be like, oh, my protagonist just did this thing because I was like, y'all don't know who Loralee is. So I'm like, I'll just say my protagonist. Like now that I can go and be like, hey, Loralee is like thinking about doing this. Like, what do you guys think? It's like such a like, Good moment because I actually told Lauren when I, we were on that first call that she mentioned earlier of like, hey, if you apply for the group, she's going to jump on a call. If she thinks you might be a good fit to see like whether uh, wife was a good fit for, for you. My, one of my biggest motivations for joining was like this desperate need of like, I need to tell Laura's story because I had this moment you know sitting on the floor like I had like terrified when I realized like oh if I never get this book written like no one will ever hear her story no one ever know who she is no one will ever like she'll just you know live and die with me and that was just such a terrifying moment I was like okay no I need to get this book written and, and thankfully, wife book came up in my inbox a few months later um so the fact that even within our baby reading group that's already been done that like you guys know her is just such an incredible feeling. So yeah, absolutely. I love it because I've also had those conversations about characters like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if they're good or not. Or, you know, like the fact that there was such a fascination within our group of like the motivations of each character, because there was at least two characters that had like unclear motivations. And part of that is, you know, third draft, you know, crappiness. And other
1: parts of it is like
3: the mystery of like, hmm, I don't know whether I should trust this character or not. So that's definitely a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. And I think that's great. Like, you don't know whether to trust this character or not. And that shows you like, you're the crew. We're technically like, we think of ourselves as the creator, but like, are we? Like, where like, did you create Amabel, or did Amabel come and talk to you? Because all the way back to Greek times, we have this idea that we're, that characters come and visit us. And the more nonfiction too, I write nonfiction as well. And there is in my book, Body Love, there is genius beyond myself. There is wisdom that is not mine in that book. I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's my subconscious. Maybe it's God maybe it's muses. Maybe it's whatever we call, maybe it's genius. Maybe it's somebody whispered it to me or I heard it somewhere and I forgot about it. Like, I don't know, but it was smarter than me. And our books become more than just ourselves. And then when we share them with the other people, with other people, they can add bits of themselves too. So then it becomes more than just ourselves, more than just us. And that's what's so great about writing it not alone because you can add essence to your books of other people as well. So it can relate to a to wider range of readers as well. Um, even when, again, I write nonfiction. We have people in the program that are writing nonfiction. We just happen to all be fiction on this call. Even with nonfiction, there's wisdom in those books that are beyond yourself when you're in a writing group. Like my wisdom rubs off on you in some ways that like pings off of somebody else as well. So I love that. And Amabel is evil. So we're just gonna move on to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm super excited about the second, the second in that series to find out whether Amabel is evil or not. Um, Mars, what's next for you and your book and your life and your writing?
0: I definitely also want to write a sequel definitely and I think at least three and who knows it might be more I've kind of always thought you know what if what if I could be like a writer and a painter for a living you know because we all have to survive in capitalism and I've had a lot of jobs that I really loved but this is me kind of taking the plunge you know I'm not gonna quit my day job but I wanna see if I can make it, you know? I wanna see if I can just keep writing books because I've loved it and it's been such a beautiful adventure. So I definitely, definitely a sequel. I have a lot of ideas already because Lauren told us long ago, you're gonna get ideas for another book while you're working on this book. So have a separate Google doc open where you can be spilling out those ideas. So I already have a ton of scenes, characters, just like ideas that I have um, for my future book or books, definitely books so I want to keep the motivation. And I think one of the things that really stuck with me that Lauren told me is that, you know, once you're in this program, once you kind of have that structure, you have that skeleton, you have access to these resources, and you've done it once before. So she, she's told us all along, your second book is a lot easier. And your third book is even easier because it's like learning a new language. Like once you've done it once, you can just keep going. So I think it feels like a really good investment and a long-term investment that now that I've you know, soon I will have completed the program and then I can get writing my second book and I can have those deadlines. I can have those structures built in. And I think it will be a lot easier the second time around. I'll be way more confident. I'll be like, oh, heck yeah, I can write a friggin' book because I already did it. And I think it's just like, it's really motivating me to talk to other people in my life who want to write books, you know, especially like people whose stories aren't out there. And Lauren's always telling us like your story needs to be told. You know, we all know that in school, we're told to read all of these old, old books by old, dead, cis, white, het men. And I'm so sick of those books. Like or at least Latin. pretending to be cis and het. Like, right, right, right. Yeah, you know, let's be honest. Let's, let's be honest. Be honest. <laughs> um, But I'm so sick of those, you know, the classics, like, sorry, I'm not into it. I want to read books by marginalized people, by queer and trans people, black and brown people, kinky people, polyamorous people, everyone, everyone, disabled people, you know, I want to read different kinds of stories about different kinds of people. And I think that is one of the beautiful parts of this program. And I just feel super inspired. And I think it also taught me like, I can't ever stop writing i just can't stop because it's so crucial to my mental health and my well-being and just like it's a part of me like i have to i have to journal i have to write poems and letters for friends and lovers and i have to i have to just like express myself and let let my voice be heard and i i was telling lauren at the start of the program i used to journal always constantly I was always journaling it was always just a thing I did and then years ago I had my journal stolen when my backpack was stolen off a bus and it was one of those moments that you don't think of as traumatic but it's kind of like little t trauma in your life because right after that I stopped journaling I think I was so devastated about losing my journal I didn't care about the other things in my backpack. I cared about my journal because those were my memories and my feelings and my thoughts. And I always have loved to read my past journals and read, you know, what was I thinking? I was a completely different person then. But after that, I stopped journaling for years. And now I'm finally like writing again. And it's a part of my life. And it's making me see like, I can't forget this. I can't stop this. I can't let go of this. I'm a writer and I always will be. And I have to be. And I can't. I can't drop it again you know it's an important Mm. part of my life and who i am so i want to carry that with me too Mm. for sure Mm.
1: i love that i had my all of my childhood my mom shipped me i sometimes get mad at her for doing this but she decided to ship me all my childhood journals and they got stolen off my porch so somebody stole a box full of my childhood journals and i had my all of my journals since i was like could write and she shipped them up to me in oregon to clean the house out and to send them to me and they all got stolen off my front desk and sometimes i wonder if that was the best thing that ever happened to me or the worst thing because there was a bit of like letting go of my the preciousness of my words and trusting that they'd come back and also i really want to know what like seven like nine-year-old lauren seventh grade lauren was writing in her journals about life because I do honestly, too, damn it. Right? <laughs> honestly one of my first books got started from a journal entry in high school because it was, it was an intense thought. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's run with that. Let's go and see where that goes. So I think that, that we're all more writers and storytellers than we give ourselves credit for. And I'm so, so honored and excited and proud and glad and stoked <laughs> to use the, the kids. I don't think the kids use stoked anymore. I think just us <laughs> old adults pretending to be kids and just excited. So excited that I get to be a part of seeing your ideas come to fruition and turn into books and I cannot wait to walk into a bookstore and see all of your books. So just one final question for all of you and that is if you were talking to your best friend who was thinking about writing a book, what would you tell them? And we'll go, who hasn't started in a while? Bars, you go first.
0: I mean I would just tell them to do it, you know. It's such a rewarding fantastical magical process like it's something you would never imagine that you could do and it's powerful and it's and and you might come up with something that you didn't expect like Kate was saying she thought she was going to write a romance and then it was sci-fi and like my my novel even though it's erotica I have these like fantastical like magical elements where like animals are talking which is not something I ever expected and it just started happening like there was just a moth and the moth started talking and then there was a bat. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful to see how your story takes shape. It's just like, it's something you can leave behind. It's something you can share with the world and the world needs to hear our stories. And even though it's scary and it's terrifying and yet yeah, people might rip it to shreds, you know, but whatever, there are also going to be a ton of people who love it and it might change their life, you know? And I I always tell the group like, because we had to talk about our why, like Lauren said, like, why are you writing your book and who are you writing it for? And for me, my book is mainly for me. And then it's also for like the queer and trans community, the kinky and polyamorous community. But I also told the group, you know, I want people, I want straight people to read my book. I want monogamous people to read my book. I want vanilla people, um, cis people. I want all different kinds of people to read my book and maybe it will make them explore parts of themselves that they never thought they had, or it will help them like be more curious or, or question things, you know, because I didn't come out as many of my identities until later in life. But I think if I had been reading stories from queer voices I would have realized a lot sooner that I was queer you know and I think that's a gift that you can give the world is like a different perspective and also like an escape into another world and it's a way to like try on this different reality and these different perspectives and meet these different characters and people and you might find some of yourself in that it could inspire other people to write a book too so I would just say yeah go for it But also I would say, don't try to do it alone unless you are the most motivated person on the planet because you need to have that support, some kind of structure, some kind of support, a writing dominatrix, a friend, someone to hold you accountable.
1: (laughs) Yes, agreed completely. Jess, you want to go next?
3: Sure. I would say if they have any sort of spark or ember of wanting to tell a story, of wanting to write a book, and they absolutely owe it to themselves to see what comes out of it. I think, you know, we, we've echoed multiple times that like, whether it was a character talking to us or a genre change or, um, and not just, you know, romance to sci-fi, we also had, uh, we had nonfiction to fiction within the group as well. You know, the book can surprise you in many ways as you're writing it, whether, you know, as we said, like, whether it's one of those changes, but also ourselves, and like, what, truths are revealed in it you know when you go on the onset you're like oh it's going to be a story about this but of course when you go through writing it you're filling a whole novel um with ideas and stories there's so much more to it than your original concept idea there is the sort of big of course plot synopsis but then all those moments in between are also so much fun to add and so I would definitely say you owe it to yourself to to see what comes out because it is so fulfilling and so rewarding but also so incredibly healing. My why had a lot to do with writing being healing for me. And so it is so healing, whether it's, whether you're someone like me who's had this idea in your head for so many years, even if that's not you, you, there's also like the fact of like telling a story where, you know as Mars mentioned of a community that doesn't really get their stories told often so regardless of what community that is for you that is also super healing like for me I'm a Latina lesbian like getting to write a, a book where there are lesbian protagonists and like Spanish is mentioned in the book and like different cultures are mentioned in the book is so healing for me I remember growing up um, and not having those kinds of stories to like find you know I always you know in many ways would try to find ways to relate to the protagonist that I read but it was never that level of connection I could never fully relate to in that way even something as small as morally worrying about money in my book was incredibly healing in that it wasn't a big deal because I'd read books about poverty growing up but it was always like the book is about poverty and look how sad this family is because they're so poor feel bad for them and I was like no but like when you grow up poor, that's not really all you think about. It's not like we just sit around being like, I'm poor and that's my only personality trait. Or, you know, I'm fat and that's my only personality trait. And so it's like, okay, yeah, we'll get these stories and we'll be side characters and best friends, but that's your only defining, you know, character trait. And so I would, you know, I would say to this, whatever story in in particular, like if you were a book reader like me, that you really desperately felt like you wished you had, that you wanted to read, that's the story you probably should tell and so for me in a lot of ways though you can't do it all in one book you know there's plenty of chances to do it would do other parts of that in other books but there is definitely a lot that you can do in one book and so yeah that's that's where I'll leave it but it's it's definitely been such a healing journey and and so exciting to know that like when this book is on its shelves it will definitely like speak to a lot of people like me who I wish that 14 I had this book.
1: Oh, I love that so much. Like write the book that you need to read, that you want to read. Ugh, mm-hmm. I love that so much.
2: Kate, yeah, hey,
1: what would you say to your best friend if they were thinking about writing a book?
2: I think both Jess and Mars nailed it. I completely agree with everything they've said. It's so beautiful. I think I would tell them to write, you know, a crappy first draft and just get 40,000 words out. I think that's some, something I would like definitely pass along because that is super helpful. And I would also say, oh, I had it and then I lost it because I saw the party emoji. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> We're on
0: Zoom and so a party, yeah. a
2: party emoji just went up. Um, I'm so sorry. Something else will meet you there. Like if mm. you if you sit down and write, And you kind of meet it halfway, like that inspiration is going to also meet you there. Not every night, but more nights than you think. And I think that was kind of the most magical, divine thing for me that like almost hooked me on writing. It like made me addicted to like sit down and see if it was going to show up and like support me again. So I think just passing on that like, there's another kind of consciousness out there that if you show up, like it's going to help you and support you.
1: Something else will meet you there and someone else will meet you there if you're in a writing group too. like having people to meet you there and to remind you to show up to see what your book is going to be is also so beautiful. Oh, you all. I'm gonna come <laughs> have a good like happy cry when we get off the call of how beautiful this has been. It's such, <laughs> such an honor to help you all write your books and I am just so grateful for you all coming on. So thank you, thank you, thank you again for coming on and chatting with us today. I will see you all soon
2: bye Bye. thank you thank you yeah hello and welcome
1: to this week's book recommendation we are continuing our february theme of queer love i'm a big romance novel fan and i especially like queer romance and why do i like queer romance well because i'm queer and It can be really hard to be a marginalized group or a more minority in the popular populace and have your stories not heard. I grew up reading, and still as an adult, read a lot of romance that is straight people romance. And I love those books, I'm a big fan. You've heard of Talia Hibbert and Jasmine Guillory and Helen Huang, and there's so many great romance writers out there. But it's rare that I get to actually like see me and my love and my sex and my relationships mirrored in that, which is why I'm so excited to bring you today Who is Vera Kelly by Rosalie Connect. And I'm really excited about that. I read it on my little my little ebook here, my ebook reader here. I'm really excited about this because not only is it romance, but there's also some really cool like spy elements to it. And I've never I mean, I can't maybe say never, but I have rarely, I cannot remember reading spy novels, which I love spy novels. I love spy stories about a lesbian, about a queer person. It is so about a bisexual person. I'm pretty sure the person in the book is actually identifies as a bisexual. And it's so hard for me to find that representation of my like sexuality and my love in stories of both romance or spy. So it was super excited to have this spy novel set in Argentina and set in a language and a culture that there's so much rich history and there's times where there's like a a takeover and a coup and there's all this exciting stuff is happening and I get to actually like see myself in it. So it makes me really excited to bring you and to suggest to you to go out and read Who is Vera Kelly by Rosene Connect. And I know I'm not the only one who loves this book because I see it on so many lists. Like every June it comes out in the, in the pride sections of bookstores. I see it suggested on so many different lists of like best gay novels out there, best bisexual novels and lesbian character novels. So I, Highly suggest going out and getting it. However you might identify, you're going to love the spy aspects, the foreign country, beautiful feeling like you're there. You're going to love the romance. You're going to love the wondering. Like I was on the seat of my pants the whole time wondering what's going to happen. It is an amazing book and I highly suggest it. It is Who is Vera Kelly by Rosalie Connect. And if you want to support a local independent bookstore and help support the School for Writers podcast, you can use our bookshop.org link to purchase it. By purchasing it there, you can get it through your local independent bookstore and we get a percentage of that as well. It is an affiliate link of ours. So it's a great way to support diverse books, local independent bookstores and help keep the School for Writers podcast going by using our bookshop link. So go grab yourself a copy of Who is Vera Kelly using the link in the show notes you just finished another episode of the school for writers podcast woohoo go you did you know that we're more than just a podcast school for writers is a full service support team helping you to get your story out into the world here are three ways you can get even more writerly inspiration and education Number one, subscribe. It's so easy. All you gotta do is click that little subscribe button down below wherever you listen or watch the School for Writers podcast. That not only guarantees that you don't miss another episode, but it also helps support our continuation of this show. Number two, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest at School for Writers. Every day we post helpful tips and tools like journaling prompts, reading recommendations, and live interviews with inspiring experts. Number three, visit schoolforwriters.com, where you can check out past episodes, join a writing program, and get even more tips, tools, and inspiration to support your writing life. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our Write More Challenge, a 10-day program to help you jumpstart your writing routine. Thanks again for supporting School for Writers. We'll see you next episode. School for Writers is produced by me, Lauren Marie Fleming, with editing and support from Samantha Olivares. All rights reserved by Las Maestras LLC. Our music is De Lejos by Ilabamba. Check them out on Spotify. Big thanks to the team at Terror Bird, and big thanks to Kristen Hodak. And of course, a massive thank you to you, the listener. Now put down this podcast already and go write. I'll see you in the next episode.